If you are hedging your, all your hopes on this, uh, on the fact that maybe when the when the full report comes out, you will be vindicated. But you know in your heart that you won't. And Russia is a complicated country, but it's not impenetrable. Like people are literally afraid of Russians, and that's that's is, is if that's not the definition of Russophobia, I don't really know what is. <laughs> Howdy folks, welcome back to another episode of The Russia Guy, hosted by me, Kevin Rothrock. This is the podcast where I talk to movers and shakers in Russia-focused journalism, activism, and academia. These interviews deal with views on the trending news, stories, and overarching themes of Russia watching, as well as the ins and outs of life as a professional in this field or these fields. The Russia Guy is supported by listeners like you at patreon.com backslash Kevin Rothrock, where new pledges are always welcome and continuing contributions are greatly appreciated. On today's show, we'll be discussing a controversial new op-ed that appeared in the New York Times on Friday, March 29th, 2019, titled, Russians Always Knew There Was No Collusion. The subheader reads, The Kremlin's allies and its opponents alike have been baffled by America's Russia obsession. Can we ever look at the U.S. the same way again? Uh, absurd allegations and accusations and these uh, very uh, generalized descriptions of Russians as, uh, you know, devious uh, and scheming. That's Alexei Kovalyov, the author of the New York Times piece and a regular guest on this podcast. I should note that Alexei recently became my colleague at Medusa, joining the staff as our investigations editor. He's back on the show today to talk about his New York Times text, which received exactly 1,000 mostly angry comments before the newspaper locked out readers from leaving any additional feedback. For the next 40 minutes or so, Alexei and I are going to talk about his op-ed, the concept of Russophobia, American ignorance about Russia, and the nature of the Russian media. That and more in the interview. Now, here it is. And also my favorite example of uh, how ignorant, on the average, the uh, American punditry is about Russia. Remember, you and I, a couple of years ago, we wanted to do uh, like a listicle of uh, 10 stupidest uh, takes on uh, Russiagate and, and Russia-Trump. Yeah, a couple of those examples. So it's... Uh, and also I wanted to... Something I really wanted to say is that all the vitriol that I'm um, I'm seeing online, all the backlash and flack uh, against me, this is really an online phenomenon. I haven't seen, in, ten, in nine weeks that I spent in the, in the United States last year, I haven't seen anything like this, and I've met all sorts of people. I've traveled throughout the entire uh, states. Uh, we talked about this last time. I went from northern Minnesota to, to Texas to California, and everywhere... Whenever I introduce myself as, hi, I'm Alexei, I'm from Moscow, Russia, most of the time people just didn't really notice and say, okay, let's, hi there. And uh, uh, with a few exceptions, uh, uh, when we went to uh, all to these DC uh, think tanks, well, I did see a few turning heads like, oh, Russia. Uh, yeah, so it did elicit some some curiosity, but never, never, not once, any hostility. Nobody spit in your face. No, not 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 really. And uh, this is what gives me pause. Like maybe some of the people I met. Uh, that's that. I I just got thinking. What if all the nice people I met 
they went back home and turned uh, uh, switched on their laptops or phones and they went online and st- started tweeting the things that, <laughs> that I'm seeing <laughs> they, they, like if they're two faced about it you mean like <laughs> <laughs> well I don't know it's just it's such a sharp contrast between the people I actually met in the United States and I met all kinds of people uh, from miners in northern Minnesota to farmers in in southern Minnesota uh, to Republicans in, in in Texas and uh, you know IT tech types in, in 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 the in the Bay Area and uh, your favorite part of America, as I recall. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's I know I know it's it's not it's a nice place it's a nice place it's just that the the downtown San Francisco isn't you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So so yeah. So Americans were pleasant to you in person. Yeah. And lo and behold, a lot of the New York Times readers are quite hostile to your your claims. So let's go through some of the well let's let's go go through some of the specific uh complaints at least that I saw and then I know we will move to some we will I'd love to hear you read in your Russian accent. Maybe you can ham up your Russian accent a little bit when you read Oh yeah. Um, okay. some of the, some yeah. of the complaints or the the comments. Anyway, I interacted with several people on Twitter and about your article, I mean. And some of the some of the things they raise, I think like I don't know I'm not necessarily saying that they raise good points, but I do. I would like to hear your responses to them. And let's. I just. I'll start with one that that's stuck in my mind, sort of most, and that's this argument that they're really. And this, I mean, you just said yourself that what you encounter this the the sort of negative reactions you've encountered are mostly online. And so one of the responses I've seen is that there's not really any such thing as Russophobia, that it's sort of invented. It's a, I'll, and I'm quoting here a little bit, it's a self-pitying sentiment invented by opportunists uh, still vicariously experiencing the residual symptoms of vanquished superpower syndrome. And when I say that, I'm quoting a scholar named Mikhail Yosel, I think is how you say his name. He's a self-described Soviet Jew, and he now teaches English at a university in Canada. And he, he, he pointed this, he told me about his book, which is called Notes from... I don't know if you've heard about this. I'm very curious. Notes from Cyberground, Trumpland, and My Old Soviet Feeling. Have you ever heard about this book? I had not heard of it. Doesn't ring a bell. Okay, so I, I, as, a, as a small sort of side note here, I did find it, and the, like the, it's like a forward, I guess. It's like before the table of contents, so I don't think it qualifies as chapter one. But the very first text in the book is an editor's note, and it reads... This, <laughs> this is what the editor's note says. It says, This post... Saw 112 likes and three shares. One of 17 comments read, Your presence online has made the life of this stranger richer in a beautiful, ubiquitous way. And so you read that and you think, what the fuck is this? And it turns out it's literally just this guy's Facebook post over over like two years. <laughs> and it has like, it has a rave review. One of the reviews says something like, this This is the essential reading alongside Timothy Snyder and Masha Gessen. And and um, <laughs> I can't, I'm, I'm amazed that this sort of thing exists. And it's not, I don't think it's self-published either. I think it's like a proper book with a, you know, cover art and all this jazz. Anyway, I wanted to get your, your thoughts on Russophobia. Like, uh, does it exist? If so, what is it exactly? It's it sort of features in your your article here, and so I wanted to know how do you define it. Let's break it down into constituent parts. So, Russophobia, fear of Russians, and uh, I'm afraid that's exactly what I'm seeing in these. Uh, there's a, like a thousand comments uh, on on this article before the New York Times team closed the, uh, closed the comments, and I would say about ninety uh, percent of them. Uh, go along the lines of uh, you know the you can trust the Russian basically, uh, which strikes me as a pretty 
you know, fearful uh, sentiment. Like people are literally afraid of Russians, and that's that's is if that's not the definition of Russophobia, I don't really know what is. And you can spin it whichever way it like. And uh, of course, there's uh, the aspect to it uh, that yes, indeed, the Russian state propaganda and Russian state officials are using Russophobia as a kind of excuse to dismiss any allegations against things that objectively did happen. But their response to it, to it is, of course, that all, all of them, all these people saying these things are Russophobes, and some of them in, indeed are. <laughs> uh, because uh, if we go back to the um, uh, James Clapper comment that he made in, in an interview to uh, NBC, he said, he, he did say that, and he met no, no protest from, uh, from the TV host. And uh, uh, what did he say? That Russians... Uh, Almost genetically driven to co-opt, penetrate, gain favor, whatever. Yeah, and that, and that and that is... I don't know how it sounds to you, but it sounds incredibly, incredibly offensive to me. Well, genetically is a, is a very strong word. It's, it sounds a little... I mean, I, I can, when I think of people talking about genetic you know, drive, it's, it's usually Nazis. <laughs> that's, there's that too. And that's, that strikes me as, uh, as, incre- as an incredibly Russophobic statement. Because he's literally afraid of Russians. Because he thinks that uh, they are inherently uh, dangerous. So yeah, there's, there's that. So of course the, there's, the, there's the Russian propaganda abusing the term, uh, kind of turning it on its head to dismiss, to dismiss any criticism. But it does exist, as I'm seeing. And uh, I've got about, uh, you know, a thousand uh, replies on Twitter and a thousand comments on the New York Times website. And I'm afraid most of them are to the same tune. Quite a few of them, and uh, and I'd I'd probably say that it's the most popular strain of these comments, is that, oh, so you're Russian, so we're just going to dismiss everything you say. Uh, right out of here, so so you, we can't trust you because you're Russian, and uh, a trustworthy Russian is a dead Russian because Putin kills all the critics. So if you're still alive, you can't you, you can't be trusted. And I'm I, I'm not exaggerating. This this is what people. Well, this reminds me of another uh, interaction I got into on Twitter with um, a a sports journalist named Slava Mulamud. You might know him. Yeah. Um. He's he's very outspoken <laughs> when it comes to I don't I mean I just. I hesitate to call it an ethnic view, but it does sort of break down that way. He so the way I phrased your your story was that that uh, Rus- American Russophobia has essentially alienated Russia's best and brightest, and best and brightest was sort of my shorthand for I don't know the liberals and the in- the independent journalists. Obviously, maybe what you were talking about is more narrow than that, but I I don't know. I was just sort of grasping for something some kind of shorthand. And he said that the Russia's best and brightest today deserve the same respect as Germany's best and brightest in 1936, and that everyone is to blame for what's happening to the country now if they've stayed in the country. And I'm curious, what do you think of something like that? The argument that if you haven't emigrated, then you are, you know, you're, you're, you share blame for Putin. Is this something that you, I mean, this is probably something you've encountered before. And Oh, no, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, yeah. In my mind, like, I have more respect for the independent folks who have stayed there because they've exposed themselves to some degree of danger if if not like prison then at least not earning as much money as they might be able to elsewhere and the people that have left you know they've kind of like taken the easy way out and a lot of them are already affluent that's how they get to leave in the first place and so this sort of like vitriol for people who have stayed i find a little bit difficult to to swallow but 
what what do you what do you think of when someone says something like that to you? Well, I guess I could have taken up a job at a think tank or uh, you know a, a job in uh, in the booming industry of uh, of uh, of, of, Russia, of hashtag #RussiaGate. Yes, uh, but I didn't because well it's dishonest and uh, well I I, lo- I love I love Moscow and you know I've 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 spent considerable time abroad but I keep coming back because it's my home. I mean why would I? I mean put. Uh, Putin has been around for what 19 years now, but he's he's not going to be there forever, and uh, it's it's I'm not I'm definitely not gonna uh, you know just cop out of it because I don't like Putin or he's uh, well I, I I genuinely don't like him I mean I I I've come to uh, to terms with him being in power uh, because uh, there's not much I can really do about it. Because he's, he keeps getting reelected, and quite a few people are, you know, they're not some brainwashed zombies and or, or drones or toadies. They they have their reasons to support him, and, uh, and the same goes for people who voted for Trump. I mean, I've met a, quite a few Trump voters, and they they were nice people, and they had very different reasons for voting for him, and they have very different opinions of of him in office. Uh, And, uh, you know, I can't, you know, I'm not going to blame every American for every American citizen for, you know, not immigrating or, uh, you know, blaming, (laughs) well, I mean... There is a kind of, like, I don't know, left-leaning or liberal trope in the United States where you say, like, oh, one more of this and I'm going to move to Canada. That's, like, a common thing. But nobody it's not, has. as far no, as I know, has. it's not nobody very has. common. <laughs> exactly. Right, yeah. But you say it to kind of absolve yourself of guilt because you feel a sort of, a bit of it, but not obviously not that much because otherwise maybe you would leave, I don't know. But I'm not a huge, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of collective guilt or collective, collective responsibility. I'm only responsible for my actions. Well, I mean, Slava has actually, I think he even said he wanted... He he said the world would be better if Alexander Ovechkin died tomorrow because he's so chummy with Putin. I didn't, maybe he said the same thing about Tom Brady for being friends with Trump. I don't know, but yes, it's a form of it's a bit radical. I I would say. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's taken it a bit too far. Yes, poss- possibly, or yes, it definitely is. <laughs> but so you've said Russophobia is this fear of Russia of Russians. It's. It's demonstrated in these sort of outlandish quotes from people like Clapper or people like Slava Malamud, maybe. But you, in your in your article, you mentioned that that Leonid Volkov he had problems. You know, he could, wasn't really able to work in a campaign to get that experience. That probably would have been ultimately very good for. This is the thing that I think is so funny is that like if someone like Volkov can't get a a job doing something that would have presumably or, or conceivably, you know, be a weapon against Putin, right? Because if he had better campaign experience, it would help Navalny, and Navalny is not a f- friend of Putin's and so on. And so, like, if the R- Americans actually understood how Russia worked, they would have been eager to to help Volkov, right? But instead, the, they have this sort of blanket, you know, distrust of Russians, and so he couldn't get the experience that he thought he might be able to. That's a very concrete example of what is essentially, you know, kind of like workplace discrimination. But you said that, for the most part, the Russophobia that you witness is sort of online... And it's in these kind of dramatic statements. And so, would you say then that it's is it discrimination or is it is could we could can we call it racism or ethnic bias? I know some people like to describe it as compare it to racism, and they you know the thing that they say is you say this about Russians, and you know Hollywood's a great example. The villains are always Europeans, or, or more often they're Russians, and the way that they're depicted is just sort of like just evil. If you had, if you did that, if Americans did that with anybody of sort of a different skin color, it would just be called out instantly. For racism, 
So is it fair? Do you would do you think that that the Russophobia sort of has a racist angle to it, or how? What, how do you? Well, it, it can't be really racist because uh, you know we are uh, uh, well Russians as, as in ethnic Russians, not like uh, Russian citizens who are all kinds of different shades. But I don't think that racism applies here because we are. When you think of a Russian, you probably think of me, a, a white uh, a, a ethnic European, uh, Caucasian. But you know that's kind of confusing when talking about Russians yeah in American context uh, so well can, can you be can, can you be racist against, against white people so it's probably more uh, a more exact term would be xenophobia as in fear of other but that's how it translates of, uh, from Greek like fear of other not exa- not necessarily fe- uh, fear of someone of a different race but fear of other so xenophobia is probably a, a better term uh, in this case and uh, while I said earlier um, on this podcast that I've never experienced any any kind of uh, you know hostility uh, because I'm Russian in my day, day-to-day interactions with uh, Americans uh, while in the States uh, there is definitely Definitely, and I'm describing this in the article that, uh, and I'm, I'm I'm using Volkov's example as uh, as it's very um, you know it's very kind of it explains the whole atmosphere because I wanted to include Volkov's full quote uh, where he's saying that you know I was hoping to get in this uh, uh, to volunteer for one of the campaigns no matter which really to like get useful gain useful insights, but he then says that it dawned on me that to them. I wasn't really this anti-Putin guy. I was just a Russian who was trying to insert himself into a uh, into an election campaign. That's crazy. No, I mean, no. If if you know anything about Volkov or Navalny, it's that that concept is is hard to understand. <laughs> and there's also, yeah, I've heard of uh, um, uh, one of the very uh, few comments that were supportive uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, and in the comment section were a, a few people who said. You know what? Actually, I remember one of my Russian friends in the States saying that they were they were afraid of saying out loud that they were Russian for fear of repercussions or for fear of kind of uh, uh, some sort of blowback. And uh, that I did get it from from a kind of different people in, in uh, there in the States. And there was one comment from a Russian guy in Texas, Ivan. <laughs> Ivan, yeah, uh, who said that uh, that this, this, this whole thing scared the bejesus of Russian Americans? Who I don't know how I know I, I haven't polled the Russian Americans I mean, uh, for for this article, but I um, I did get a few comments from uh, you know Russian Americans uh, like yeah that's 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 how we feel. My general impression is that the the a lot of the immigrants from Russia in the United States have a sort of other identity that is an other a, a second immigrant identity that is actually their primary one. Like a lot of there are a lot of Soviet Jews. Here, they're Soviet Ukrainians, and so maybe their language was Russian. And when they came to the United States, it was all the Soviet Union, and therefore is really just the Ruskies, right? But having come here, they've sort of like reclaimed that other identity, and they're in many ways more anti-Russian than than the, like the, even like a hawkish American, because for them. The ethnic component is really pronounced because, you know, they experienced ethnic discrimination or hostility in the Soviet Union. And so now it's like, oh, those, I mean, like, literally, like, those dirty, filthy Russians, like, the Americans are finally understanding, you know, I've, we, my people have known for eons. And so I, I've, it's, I mean, this is like a, this is not an original observation that immigrants are some of the, American immigrants are some of, like, the most hyper-patriotic and xenophobic of anybody in this country. I mean, they, they're great people. I'm not, this is not an anti-immigrant statement. I'm just saying, I'm just noting that this is something I've observed 
when to talking to former Soviet immigrants and so on. <laughs> that, that that does happen to uh, that, that's uh, that, that's a that's an observable observable phenomenon when 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 Russians emigrate somewhere. Uh, they immediately join us. Uh, they immediately adopt the right wing politics and their anti-immigrant uh, politics in Israel. You know, like, like uh, there's a, quite a few, you know, uh, right wing voters and uh, uh, Russians, like uh, scare quote Russians in Israel, and uh, they vote for the right wing parties, anti-immigrant. Uh, uh, because and I've I've seen that uh, I I've seen conversations online uh, where Russian immigrants consider themselves the good immigrants, like we we took the hard way we uh, it took us it took us years to emigrate and uh, we worked we worked we worked hard to get to the place we are now uh, and these guys uh, whoever. Uh, from the Middle East or from, uh, or from Latin America, uh, they're just taking the easy way in, unlike us, and uh, they are taking for granted what we had to fight for and, uh, and to work work hard for. So uh, there's that too. Uh, but and I wonder how they feel now, uh, being being seen as inherently as these untrustworthy Russians, especially if they're if they Russian is just their mother's language, and uh, they are they can be ethnic, uh, you know, uh, uh, Ukrainians or or Jews and. Uh, uh, I wonder how this pans out for them. Uh, but the, my piece wasn't really about Russian Americans because they 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 are a very you know a Russian American is a very uh, uh, is a very general description uh, which includes an entire galaxy of different you know people from different generations and di- different ethnicities and uh, different views. Uh, so it, you you can't really you know pin them down into a single category. This. Uh you know, this op-ed that you've written, it's titled Russians Always Knew There Was No Collusion. And so you're obviously, you're not necessarily, you're not speaking for all 150 or however million or I don't know how, 140 40 million, I don't know how many Russians there are right now, but 143 maybe. But, uh, you know, who who are the Russians? Who are the people you're speaking on behalf of, you think? You should probably ask my editor at the New York Times. Who, <laughs> who wrote the headline? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Fair enough. Yeah, that's another thing. I think a lot of people, a lot of people probably did not get past the headline because it's in the headline is, I mean, kudos to the editor because it's, it's well-crafted to trigger people. And it did. And it did. And it did. Yeah. And it did. <laughs> Um, but if so, you, you're speaking on behalf of. I think you mentioned this. You say liberal Russians like yourself, and would you expand on that definition, or is that satisfactory? It's not mine either. <laughs> oh, I see. Wow. Okay, this is good stuff. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah because uh, uh, well, I I guess it's probably um, uh, um, like a st- uh, like a filler description for uh, whatever I am. I don't know because uh, you know opposition. Uh, uh, that's why we're getting into nuances that didn't make it into the final cut because I I only have like seven hundred words to explain an incredibly complicated issue, uh, but. Uh, the opposition to Putin isn't limited to uh, like liberals. Uh, there's uh, there's left wing opposition and there's right right wing opposition, uh, and they they some, sometimes uh, they they sometimes find them, themselves uh, on the same side uh, uh, of the anti-Putin argument. And there's like there's you know the opposition to uh, to Putin is quite varied. You know I I I'm I I can't even call myself like a liberal opponent to Putin because I'm not I'm, I'm not member of any party or of any movement. Uh, the only organization I'm a member of is the Journalist Union. There's the all, all kinds of people opposed to Putin for every for very different reasons. So do you think you're, when, you, when you're when you're these arguments do you think that they most 
encompass the perceptions of independent journalists then? Is that like the group you think you speak best for? or Well, probably for people who even pay any attention to what's going on between the uh, United States and Russia, people who speak English and uh, uh, I guess in a way, uh, well, journalists are, uh, would be probably a better description because uh, among my peers uh, and uh, especially in the, pre- in the earlier generation of Russian journalists, uh, you know, American media I've always been sort of a, um, you know, an example to follow. We were brought up on, uh, you know, Bob Woodward uh, and uh, all the president's men uh, and that kind of thing. And uh, we always, uh, you know, uh, we brought ourselves up on this uh, courageous journalism speaking truth to power and uh, uh, you know and uh, if you look at the uh, earlier generations of uh, of Russians now working on state television all of them uh, including Dmitry Kisilev Vladimir Solovyov uh, and Margarita Simonyan uh, the editor-in-chief of RT uh, all of them went on exchange programs in the US and uh, uh, some worked for uh, you know foreign media outlets and that's uh, that Margarita Simonyan herself said very explicitly that uh, I used to admire the United States and I used to admire American media and I wanted to be a one uh, like them and that's a very common sentiment so uh, uh, so there in in, the, in this I am on the same side with Margarita Simonian uh, because that's that's the same I'm feeling you know I have the same uh, the, the same feeling of uh, disappointment you know in, you know when people you uh, and people and institutions you used to admire and take example of uh, turn turn out to be something very different you know they they subscribe to these uh, uh, well I wouldn't call it a conspiracy theory because there is some uh, uh, some well there's there are aspects of truth to it but uh, you know seeing them uh, and not just cling to this to cling quite desperately uh, and uh, one retracted article after another and one one lead that goes nowhere uh, and one sweeping generalization after another, it ultimately came to this de- dead end, and they just keep clinging to it desperately, coming up with all sorts of excuses uh, that, okay, maybe uh, the uh, attorney general is compromised, or the special counsel is compromised, or uh, or maybe we should read the whole report, and there's like, like I'm seeing that they're you know this Twitter crowd and this TV pundits and, and, and you know Twitter commentary at, you know uh, about 300 of comments on my uh, on my New York Times uh, article are but you haven't sealed the, the full report let's wait for the full report to come out but I mean so what's going to happen then I mean if you, you if you're hedging your all your hopes on this uh, on the fact that maybe when the when the full report comes out you will be vindicated but you know in your heart that you won't guys let's just <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the questions I had was, how would this text be different if the report, if, if let's say, either if the if the bar summary had some information about collusion or if the full report that we finally get has some detail that does sound or look like collusion? Because a lot of the a lot of the story of Russophobia, it I mean, it, it would it it would still be wrong, I assume, to be as general and sort of, I don't know, xenophobic as a lot of the reporting has been, even if it turns out that some fourth tier Russian sort of, you know, near official sort of people cut some kind of deal with a bunch of corrupt Trump administration people that wouldn't justify a lot of the tone, nevertheless. So what do you think about I mean, like, how does the how does the collusion, the no collusion angle really change anything here? 
Well, the headline would probably be different, but you really can't take you really can't take away all the uh, on, on all the online vitriol, all the comments that were that met no opposition whatsoever. I mean, it's just uh, I'm 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 using one example of uh, of, of clappers, uh, but there there have been quite a few, and you've you've seen those, and uh, uh, there is now a whole cottage industry of uh, of people accusing other people of being uh, you know Kremlin agents or for for, for the tiniest most fake connection to Russia they are labeled as, as Russian agents or an online friend of mine uh, he was he was doxxed by these awful people uh, because his wife went to work for the federal administration and uh, he himself was you know he's been quite critical of the whole uh, hashtag Russiagate angle and the, uh, uh, you know, they wrote a blog post about him on Medium and doxed his wife. Like, uh, she, uh, like she got a post in the Trump administration uh, uh, as a favor for you know channeling this Russia. Oh, this is this is this is dusty. Yeah, this is right? dusty. Yeah, yeah. He was he's been he's been on the show. Yeah, so yeah. Okay, cool. We, talk, we talked about that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's there's that, and there's uh, there's uh, you, you really can't take all of this back. You know, uh, the only thing the the only way of you know getting past this is to apologize for all the awful thing you said about. You know, not just the, not not just the. You know, I, I'm often hearing that. Uh, okay, we do di- differentiate between the Russian government and the you know, ordinary Russians. Well, okay then. Uh, uh, don't say awful things about Russians then. Just say say what you want about Putin. But you know, Russians are different. <laughs> the way I kind of view this, and tell me if you think I'm wrong here, but the this 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 op-ed that you have is very much pegged to the news story of there not being collusion. At least that's the story now, right? That the attorney general has said no collusion. And so here's your here's your response. The the New York Times has invented a headline for you that really ties it to the no collusion stuff. But the actual meat of your story, in my mind, it, you could have written this entire thing a week before the collusion story and it would still be just as, as important. Or if they had found collusion, the story would still work because the arguments the, the or the, the xenophobia that you identify... It's still, I mean, whether or not, whether whether or not Agalarov indeed, you know, cut some deal with with uh, someone in 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 the Trump team, it doesn't justify denying Volkov a spot in a campaign just because he's Russian, and it doesn't justify, I don't know, the articles that you've you've highlighted over the last several years that have this weird sort of xenophobic or ethnic kind of tinge to them. So the, I guess, like, does the collusion thing really matter that much to your article, or no, it doesn't. I mean, I've been I've been saying this, uh, and this this is where I pat my, pat myself on the back for my integrity. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I could have taken I could have taken up the uh, hashtag #RussiaGate grift, but I didn't. Uh, kudos to me. And uh, I've been, I, I've been, I, I I just uh, looked looked back at my at, at the articles. Uh, I I I've been writing since uh, let me see uh, uh, early 2016. And in every single one of them, I, I mean, I started writing for for, for the Guardian, for Open Democracy, uh, and uh, for for the Washington Post, and for the New York Times. And every in every single article, I've been saying for the New York, for, for the Moscow Times, and everywhere I've been saying no, this doesn't look credible, and no, uh, uh, this doesn't look uh, like you know this. Uh, if you know anything about Russia, uh, uh, a thirty-year program starting in the late Soviet Union to groom a future American president 30 years later? No, that doesn't sound plausible at all. 
whichever way you look at it. And this was this was a theory. This and uh, and this has been uh, a theory. Some people have very seriously entertaining. Like, oh, maybe let's uh, uh, let's look at that 1987 visit to Russia that Trump did. Uh, Uh, with his with with his then wife and uh, uh, what if he's being uh, he's being groomed by the Russians ever since? No, this is not a parody article on the Onion. People are really considering that option. And uh, uh, when when you go down that rabbit hole, you know that's something that's gone seriously wrong. I mean, uh, if you are uh, uh, making this sort of assumptions, you you must at least have some uh, understanding of what Russia is and how Russia works and uh, uh, how tactical and strategic decisions are made and uh, how they pan out in the in, uh, in, in the long run and uh, uh, no this if you if, if you knew anything about Russia you wouldn't say well most of these things and uh, uh, that, that one thing that struck me uh, when I was uh, I think we talked about this but uh, uh, before last year I also went to uh, to the States um, in 2017 and I was on the uh, layover in Denver I had like 24 hours to spend in Denver and of course I googled you know protests happening in downtown Denver on su- this Sunday and I uh, and I went to this anti-Trump rally uh, and there was a minor scuffle between some pro-Trump types and this uh, resistance crowd uh, and I talked to a woman who held a, a placard uh, who held a sign with uh, you know there's there's also this weirdly um, you know homoerotic strain uh, to the uh, yeah to the visual side of the Trump Russia coverage uh, and uh, you know Trump and uh, and Putin making out or the writing so she uh, she had a uh, a, a, f- a picture uh, like uh, of Trump and Putin riding a bear and there's this shirtless Putin and uh, and 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 there was some some gibberish in Russian uh, you know I I. <laughs> Some you know like uh, like the ones you see the, of the type you see on my Twitter uh, you know no force for Cyrillic <laughs> and uh, I walked up to her and said hi ma'am I'm 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 seeing your your, your sign but I'm I, I'm a native native Russian speaker and what you what, what your sign says doesn't make any sense to me it's gibberish I have a mag- magic marker with me can I can I help you fix it <laughs> and what did she say to that uh, and she said no thanks I'm fine and. And then it then it just dawned, then it just dawned on me that she doesn't really care. I mean, it could have been it, it could have been any other country, but Russia just provides uh, uh, this uh, this compelling visual aesthetic. Like uh, you know, probably Belgium. You know, if, if Belgium tried to in- intervene uh, in the U.S. elections, that would have been as compelling as, as Russia because you have this uh, this tradition of uh, Soviet visual propaganda that you, you can use in your in your graphics to to accompany what, what probably. Uh, Belgium wouldn't be as, uh, or I don't know, uh, Nicaragua or whatever other country uh, that tried to intervene in the US elections. But Russia just provides a, uh, a useful background and people don't really care. <laughs> okay, well, let's have you read some of the, the comments that you've set aside. I'll do my Russian accent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So 
Sabwana from uh, from NYC. Thanks, NYT editors, for giving space to a spokesman of the Russian government masquerading as a journalist to utterly ignore the facts that Russia took multiple actions to influence our elections in 2016 and 18, and Russians were indicted by the special prosecutor and our D- DOJ for their efforts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, let's see from Michael Minogue from NYC. I-, I thought this might be Alex Kovalev, the hockey player. I'd sooner take political criticism from a Russian hockey player than a Russian journalist. If US media went too far in its investigations, a point which, with which I disagree even as a Republican, then what of the Russian media? How far has it investigated the murderous Putin? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, if you, if you, if, if you know anything about me... <laughs> <laughs> and some some people actually did. Some people actually went on and uh, and researched my uh, my writing, and they found their my articles, and they found that I've been making the same argument for a few years. That no, it doesn't sound plausible at all. No, Trump is not a Russian asset because that's not how Trump or Russia work. And uh, and they try they tried to use this against me. Like look at this look look at this Putin shill. And they uh, some of the people also said that cause it's a very uh, you know it's very backwards thinking okay so now they are rolling out the scare quotes liberals to protect themselves against the backlash so i'm 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 i'm, I'm only pretending to be uh, like an anti-putin liberal yeah Okay, so, so let's say, oh yeah, so this is this is the time speak. So, so this is a uh, a very upvoted comment uh, that that's the uh, that the that the Times team picked as a, as a very you know interesting or illuminating. I don't know what uh, what thought process went into this uh, into this decision. So Linden Tree Islander from Albany, uh, New York. Uh, so the hurt feelings of some Russians matter more than the Russian government produced social media campaign to tilt the 2016 American election. Outcome through lies, distortion, targeted manipulation, etc. Question mark. Well, I, I'd hope that my hurt feelings matter some, but I don't know. Not to Linden Tree Alindar. Um, okay. Um, okay. Rick Gage from Mountain Door uh, quotes me. Uh, quotes my article. Quote. But my perception of the United States politics and media might have suffered suffered irreparable damage as a result of hashtag #RussiaGate, and I'm afraid that that's the case for many people like me. Quote. Unquote. Uh, that's what I'm saying in the article. Oh, good, says Rick Gage. So you won't mind my saying that when I read Rus- Mr. Kovalev is a Russian journalist, I immediately discounted everything that followed as if it said Mr. Kovalev is a journalist at Fox News. America's last hope for its politics and media may be the fact that our fourth estate remains free to follow the clues whenever they, wherever they lead, whether they affect our politics or our media in a negative way. Um, and there's uh, quite, quite a few to the tune of uh, Anne Smith from New York City saying, who would expect anything else from a Russian journalist? Especially when the Russian media is controlled to the extent of silencing any and all who speak against out, uh, speak out against it autocratic regime. Now, that is that is not very very accurate description of how Russia works, because on the, on the, on, on the scale of the autocratic regimes that persecute its journalists, you know, Russia is not in, even in the, uh, I, I'd say Russia is not in the, in, the, in the top five. I mean, Turkey is a lot worse than Russia. In Turkey, hundreds of journalists uh, are in jail, or, I don't know, pick, pick any country from the, uh, from the bottom uh, of the Freedom House list, and Russia is not there. I mean, yeah, uh, that, that is a very... It's wrong. It's just not right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just wrong. You can, yeah. 
Um, uh, so what else is there? Uh, what else do we have? Uh, Go yeah, Google Alexei Kovalev, and you will will get many links about who he is and what he does, quote journalistically unquote. But actually, finding the stories he's written over the years is much harder. I'm guessing Putin pulls his strings. Now I don't really. The, the claim here is that you're just posing as a journalist, and in fact, you've not really written anything. Yeah. So Tom from Massachusetts says Mr. Kovalev is identified as a Russian journalist. That would make him pro-Putin, or he would be fearing for his life, would he not? So, okay, Tom, if you're listening, this is not really a dichotomy. So it, it, it's not or either. You can be a Russian journalist and be quite anti-Putin, and I'm still alive. So, <laughs> so yeah, there's the, that's what I'm saying about nuance. Like, yeah, there's, you know, it's not all like black and white or plus or minus or one and zero. There's a lot of stuff in between. And Russia is a complicated country, but it's not impenetrable. You can, uh, as you probably know yourself, uh, you know, it, it only takes you about a, uh, a decade to learn the Russian language, uh, you know, completely immerse yourself in Russian culture and become a Russian for all intents and purposes. So, so Russia is, uh, it's, it's complex like any other country, but it's not, you know, it's not, it's not an enigma and you can educate yourself uh, about it. And it's just, uh, it, it'll take you a few hours or days to uh, do some basic research. But it's, you know, it's uh, before making a judgment, you should probably do that. And I also wanted to say that you yeah, uh, say what you want about Russian state media. But one thing that struck me uh, when I'm watching like Vesti uh, Nizeli on uh, uh, Channel Russia with Dmitry Kisilov or on Channel One, uh, or when I'm reading uh, Alexei Pushkov's Twitter, whom I'm quoting in the article, and he's a senator, and he he believes in all sort of th sort of things. Like he doesn't believe that the uh, uh, the uh, Americans landed on the moon, and uh, he's a f he's a fan of quite a quite a few conspiracy theories. But then again, he speaks uh, fluent English, and uh, he uh, he wrote for uh, uh, U.S. policy journals like the National Interest and in Foreign Policy. So when you see Russian pundits, uh, you know, duke it out on, 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 on Russian television, one thing that strikes you is that they are quite knowledgeable. They can entertain some pretty wild ideas uh, or subscribe to some pretty crazy conspiracy theories, but they know the ABCs of, you know, American politics. Uh, you know, they're, they're not thinking of the, uh, of the United States as uh, uh, of the uh, Reagan era. They are quite knowledgeable because they're you know this stuff is online. It's uh, you know you can spend before going on, uh, on on the talk show you can spend a few hours researching and that's what that's what they that's what they do uh, when when they are accusing uh, America of something they are at least they have some degree of uh, you know of, uh, of education in the matter. They they can be obnoxious or uh, you know crazy, but at least they're they did some research. That's my interview with Alexei Kovalev, investigations editor at Medusa, and the author of many articles and op-eds in several major news outlets, both in Russia and in the West. You can find a hyperlink in the description of this podcast episode to the New York Times article we've been discussing for the past hour, titled, Russians Always Knew There Was No Collusion. If you enjoy this podcast, 
Keep in mind that it's supported by listeners like you at patreon.com backslash Kevin Rothrock, where new pledges are always welcome and continuing contributions are greatly appreciated. I'm also always happy to get listener feedback at Twitter, where my DMs are wide open. As always, thanks for listening. Until next time. Погадать на короля. Ой-ля-ля, ой-ля-ля, погадать на короля. Ой-ля-ля, ой-ля-ля. Завтра дальняя дорога выпадает королю. У него деньжонок много, а я денежки люблю. Ой-ля-ля.